Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate team mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello, everyone. How are you? First of all, some exciting business developments for me. And by that, I mean I sold tie-dye on my podcast Instagram this week. If you're following there, which is feathers underscore pod, you will have seen the tie-dye. If you did not like to see me selling the tie-dye, thanks for not complaining. If you did like it and you bought some, thank you so much. It was very exciting. Just a heads up, I'm just placed a big wholesale order of t-shirts with a friend and we're going to tie-dye a bunch in the next couple weeks. My schedule's kind of crazy in the next week and a half, but so like in two weeks, I should have a bunch of t-shirts to sell. Um, This time I did mostly canvas totes and just a couple long sleeves, but if you are interested in buying a tie-dye t-shirt for me, I'm going to make them very reasonably priced. I was able to get a good deal on them. I figured out shipping and how to do it well. And yeah, so that's exciting. I'm going to be selling tie-dye. <laughs> uh, right now I'm just doing it through my Instagram. I might set up an Etsy because that's probably easier for everyone, including me, but I'm not 100% sure yet. So stay tuned, but you know, follow my podcast Instagram. There's still like two canvas bags left that maybe I'll post and if you want them you can buy it for me anyway hi how is everyone so first off the bat um someone had asked me if I was gonna cover the Chrisley family drama that's going on in case you don't know Lindsay Chrisley is Kale's podcast co-host so she is part of the teen mom world and the story is really, in my opinion, very interesting. So I guess I'll just very briefly touch on it, but I'm not going to like go into detail because it's not actually Teen Mom. But for people that don't know, Lindsay Chrisley, Kale's podcast host, is the daughter of Todd Chrisley. Todd Chrisley is the star of a reality show called Chrisley Knows Best. The reality show features on his family, his wife, Julie. They have a gaggle of kids, including a granddaughter that they raise. It's on USA, I believe, right? Yeah, it's on USA. It's been on the air for a while now. I, I would think, oh, maybe not 10 years, but like maybe six or seven years. It's been going for a while. They had a spinoff show. And there's always been talk about their financial troubles. I remember there being bankruptcy issues like back when the show first aired. Because I remember thinking to myself like, oh, another fake rich family. And they were, Todd and Julie were indicted this week on federal like tax evasion charges. Which is, I mean, it's just crazy to me that these people go on TV while committing federal crimes (laughs) I'll never understand it like also I'll never understand couples um putting both people 
You know what I mean? Like, having both of them on the documents. Like, nobody learned from Joe and Teresa Giudice to only put one person's name because now both the parents are going to have to go to jail. Here's the thing. If the feds indict you, like... The feds don't indict unless they have a lot, a lot of evidence. And it's very rare that somebody gets indicted by the federal government and then walks away with no charges. Um, Almost always they end in plea deals. Almost always. It's very likely that Todd and Julie will have to take a plea deal just because that's kind of how federal cases go. And fighting a federal case is, like, insanely, insanely expensive. So... Where was I? Oh, so Todd and Julie, you know, they're going to get in trouble. It's big drama. Todd, of course, is denying everything. Chrisley knows best, and the spinoff about two of the kids is off the air. Now, Todd and Lindsay are actually estranged. Julie's not her mom. Uh, Lindsay's been estranged from the family for a little while, I think a couple years. Todd hates her husband. It's this whole thing. Well, it comes out this week that... This is what I'm going to talk about mostly because she's kind of part of the Team Mom universe and she's been on the show, uh, but like three-ish times now at this point. So it comes out this week that Lindsay had gone to the police at some point in the last month and reported her dad and her brother Chase for extorting her over a sex tape. Apparently, Lindsay may or may not have made a sex tape with Bachelor contestant Robbie Hayes. Now, I don't watch Bachelor, but I do watch Vanderpump Rules, and Sheena for Vanderpump Rules was, like, fake dating Robbie Hayes on Vanderpump Rules. So I do have an idea of who he is. Apparently, she made a sex tape with him. Somehow, her brother Chase got a hold of it, and Chase and Todd were using that to extort Lindsay into lying about the tax documents, <laughs> which is fucking insane. Imagine you, like, cheat on your husband, you make a sex tape with a Bachelor contestant, and then your dad ends up buying it to extort you? That's so fucking crazy. Um, Todd apparently has come out and said this isn't true, but is claiming Lindsay has slept with multiple contestants on The Bachelor while with her husband. (laughs) Like, can you imagine that being your family drama? And, of course, this this week's episode of Coffee Convos was already taped, but Lindsay says she is going to talk about it on the episode next week. But, of course, has to, you know, run it over with her lawyers first, which, yeah, smart. So I am kind of looking forward to that. We'll see what else comes up from it. If it's interesting, I'll talk about it. If it's not, I won't. But I am into tax fraud. I'm into federal indictments. And I am into Lindsay Chrisley being blackmailed by her dad and her brother over a sex tape. (laughs) That's crazy. Anyway, so today I was watching the new episode of Teen Mom OG And I was texting my, well, I wasn't texting. I was in, do you guys know what Discord is? Like a couple of my Reddit friends and I have a, basically like everyone who's in this has been on the podcast, but um, like my Reddit internet friends have a Discord server where we chat during the day. And I was like, wow, Mackenzie McKee makes me so fucking depressed. Like her life is 
so sad. Her marriage to Josh is so awful. And, like, I'm telling you, less than 10 minutes later, Mackenzie McKee then posts on Twitter that her and Josh are taking a break from the marriage. Let me read the exact thing that she tweeted. Okay, so first she started tweeting about wanting her mom to run in the Disney marathon this January because, you know, Disney, like, has a marathon, which, like, fine. And she was snapping at people about it. Then she was snapping at people about Bronx, her youngest baby's teeth, because I guess she posted a picture and his teeth look wild fucked up. Like, I saw someone comment about it. I zoomed in and I was like, "Lee, <laughs> they do look wild fucked up. But, like, whatever. I don't know anything about kids' teeth. So I skipped right past that. Then she tweets. This is all, like, in rapid succession. Then she tweets to the girls parentheses, I know who you are, who called in, nice try, heart, no context. Then she tweets, however, I would like to say that due to stress, me needing to stay focused, the media, etc., I'm deciding my marriage needs a break. My heart breaks for my kids, but as of now, this is what's best. Thank you, heart. (laughs) Like, first of all, she starts with, however, I would like to say, like, but she's not in the middle of a sentence. Like, I, because I had posted this on my Instagram and I was just going to read that on this podcast. And then I realized I was like, oh, let me get on Twitter because she started with however. So she's obviously like continuing that from a previous tweet. And there's probably a whole Twitter thread. And I, because I took the original screen cap off of Reddit and didn't think to check her Twitter. No, 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 no thread. She just starts with however. <laughs> however, I would like to say. This is such weird wording that due to stress, me needing to stay focused, the media, I decided my marriage needs a break. Me, I, okay, she's been with Josh for how many years now and they've been married for how many years now and they have three kids. It's a very bizarre reason to say that like you're ending your, well, taking a break from your marriage because you need to stay focused. (laughs) That's, like, really, like, that's, like, something that you say when you break up with, like, your college boyfriend. You're, like, I need to focus on school. Like, it's just, you don't end, like, a marriage because you need to stay focused. Someone responded with, wow, really? You guys seem solid, which is unhinged of that person. And Mackenzie says, we were. We were truly best friends. It's just all devastating. That doesn't make any fucking sense. If you were solid... Why And your best friends, why the fuck would you be separating? She's such a liar. She makes no sense. She also responded to somebody, we only see what TV shows, but from day one, I could tell he fully didn't love you. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so fucking rude to tweet to someone. <laughs> it's one thing for me to get on the podcast, but to just wild send out a tweet like well you know he didn't love you so so fucking mean (laughs) and like to say it and then to be like well you deserve happiness and uh i hope some things work out for you much love hon and good luck (laughs) mackenzie responded i know in my heart he loves me this was my decision it's like yeah because josh was never gonna leave you um Somebody responded to her tweet. 
I don't understand, like, the breakup tweet that was, like, know the place for Twitter. Maybe she meant not the place for Twitter. Someone responded to her, mind your business, Dawn. That was the person's name. And Dawn said, mind my business. She puts her business on Twitter, which, like, hard agree, Dawn. Mackenzie responded to that, saying, my business is all over Twitter being untrue and out of my control. I'm on a TV show which shares my real life, the good and the bad. I can tweet what I want if it comes to me. You know, you know it's true. Um, so, yeah, that's what she said on Twitter. And then she got on Instagram and posted a selfie of herself with her wedding ring, like, in clear view. That's, like, freshly single and ready to be the boss babe that I am and let God lead me to what I deserve. First of all, that's, like... <laughs> To post a selfie of yourself <laughs> with your wedding ring visible and to start it off when you're ending your marriage to the father of your children to be like freshly single. It's all just Mackenzie is so fucking immature and Josh is so immature. They're both so immature and that's the issue with their relationship. That's always going to be the issue with their relationship. Um, I do not believe that this is going to be the end of Josh and Mackenzie. They always break up and get back together. It's their thing. I think they've been getting up and breaking back, getting up and breaking back together. I think they've been breaking up and getting back together for many, many, many years. They were divorced as recently as, or not divorced, but separated as recently as whenever Mackenzie's mom got diagnosed with cancer, which was what, like less than a year and a half ago? Oh, seeing Mackenzie's mom getting diagnosed from cancer, I'm probably going to release the Mackenzie bonus episode um, that I recorded that I never released because I thought Angie was going to die and I talked a lot of shit on Angie in it and I just like couldn't put that out there at the time. But now that Angie seems to be doing that, I don't know. Is that wrong? Should I not release it? But I mean, they're on a TV show. This is like what I, this is hard because it's like, yeah, okay. So I recorded a bonus episode. I'm positive I talked about this on here. I recorded a bonus episode. By the way, I think you get the bonus episodes if you're a $5 a month patron. I put one out this week about um, the Real Housewives, Phaedra and Apollo, and what I thought about their relationship. I did one on Caroline Cowboy back in the day. Not back in the day. Like, that was the last one I did. So, like, a month ago or two months ago. I've done bonus episodes on YouTubers, etc. Troy, Princess... Uh, they do bonus episodes as well. I know Princess just put one out about the Real Housewives of Potomac. Uh, she did a Love After Lockup bonus episode. Troy's done some good bonus episodes that I can't... Oh, he did one on Finding Netherland, the Michael Jackson documentary, which is great because he was like a lifelong hardcore Michael Jackson fan. It was really interesting to listen to him kind of like break down his feelings on someone who he was a huge fan of. Like, they're basically being concrete proof that he was a pedophile. So, yeah, there are, there's lots of good bonus content. Highly recommend that you sign up for the bonus episodes. But, you know, like, Mackenzie and Angie are on this show that I talk about. And I don't have a high opinion of Angie. And do I not talk about her and not put it out because she's sick with cancer? I mean, I recorded it when she was sick. But it's kind of like a hard line. It's like a hard line for me to walk. 
Um, I know, guys, that it, this is what I mean, like, the ethics of Team Mom, because as I'm saying this, it's like, okay, but I'm about to, like, talk about Amber and Andrew's relationship a little later in this episode, and, like, they just had, like, a devastating domestic violence incident. So, but, like, I won't talk about Angie because she has cancer. <sighs> See, I'm thinking about the ethics of Team Mom, and this is where we get fucked up. This is why I can't think about it. Anyway, I'm off track. But yeah, Mackenzie is so fucking immature. She's always been immature. Um, her and Josh have always had a terrible relationship. The fact that she blames basically everyone but Josh being a terrible husband, and then even goes on to say, like, Josh loves me and we're best friends. Like, it just shows how sad she is as a person how detached she seems from reality. Um, For her to blame the media on them needing to be separated is quite comical. Now, I'm not saying that the media doesn't talk about her because here I am on my podcast, which is technically media, I guess. Uh, Liz Bentley, team mom media reporter. But I'm talking about her. She's on a show where we talk about her on Reddit and Twitter and Instagram. Like, I'm never going to deny that we talk about Mackenzie and we talk about Josh. And especially now, if she's on the episode, she's going to be talked about, like, a lot more. You guys know I'm not one of those people that's like, they're not celebrities. That actually, like, grinds my gears when people say that they're not famous because they're on a TV show that's been on for 10 fucking years. Like, the two moms are famous, whether you like it or not. It doesn't mean it's good fame or it's going to be long-lasting fame. And it doesn't mean they're thems, you know? Shout out Who Weekly. Like, they're all who's. But they're definitely who's. Um, People know who they are. Some people know who they are. They get, you know, they get written about in magazines and art, like, uh, blogs and their podcasts about them. Like, they are famous, whether you like it or not. So I'm not going to deny that Mackenzie is talked about in the media. But Mackenzie is someone that for the last, how old is Gannon? Seven, eight? For the last seven years, since Team Mom 3 went off the air, has been chasing the media, essentially begging the media to talk about her. It seems like her entire main focus over these last eight years is to be famous and to be on Team Mom and to be a social media influencer um, and to be, like, a fitness persona. Like, she is not... Like, let's compare her especially to some of the other Team Mom 3 girls. Like, where the fuck... Like, there's no media about Katie Yeager's relationship. There's no media about Alex... I can't remember... Skella? I can't remember how to pronounce her last name. About Alex's relationships. Like, yeah, occasionally there'll be a... Like, the Ashley will write about... um, Like, Alex's daughter did this. Like, maybe once every two years she'll get an update. Or Katie Yeager got married. Yay. And they'll be like one blog post on it. You know what I mean? But there isn't media, like, talking about them in any way um, because they are not people that are actively seeking out media attention in any way. They have a relatively low-profile social media presence. They might have decent numbers, but it's from being on 16 Pregnant and then one season Teen Mom. They are not actively seeking out being influencers. They're not doing ads. They have normal jobs. They got educations. They're married. They go to school. You know what I mean? Like, they're not trying to be famous. So when Mackenzie, who has been desperately courting the media by being on Snapchat for 
five hours a fucking day for trying to sell this Body by Mac thing via social media, by doing Instagram ads, by getting on this fucking show again. Like, for her to be like, it's the media's fault is just, it's so, like, give me a fucking break. Nobody is saying that, like, it's easy to be in the spotlight, and I can't imagine, like, having a shitty marriage and then getting on TV and everyone gets on Twitter and is like, girl, your husband hates you. (laughs) And any single time Josh gets on TV, like, every response Mackenzie gets is like, your husband hates you. (laughs) That's all anybody ever has to say to Mackenzie. And honestly, rightfully so. So, I'm not saying that isn't hard, and I would imagine that, like, fucks with your brain, especially, like, if you're Mackenzie and you're already somebody that's insecure, you're already somebody that's immature, and you, you know what I, like, you're already a little detached, I guess you could say, and detached from reality, and then you get on this show and you just have, like, comment after comment, message after message, tweet after tweet about how awful your marriage is and how awful your husband is, like, you might be able to in your day-to-day life where cameras are not following you convince yourself that things are fine but then you get like bombarded with messages about how not fine everything actually is and I would imagine that's quite jarring much like when I was talking about how there's no way that it doesn't go to Cole's head like all the fucking love that he gets I would imagine that this is similar and like It must fuck with your perception, basically, is what I'm saying. And I have a lot of empathy for that. And I do understand that that's probably really hard. But for her to put out a statement essentially like blaming other people for the disillusion of her marriage that has been garbage since before they got married. (laughs) That's always been garbage. Like, miss me with that little Miss Mackenzie McKee. Um... I guess we can talk about that. Let's just talk about Mackenzie right now, and we'll do that after a quick break. Oh, one thing that I wanted to say was a lot of people are like, maybe she's just trying to get back on the show for next season. And you know what? To that, I say, God bless you. If that's what you're doing, great strategy, Mackenzie. And they better bring her back on this fucking show because Mackenzie's been a true breath of fresh. At least she has something going on. You guys know I was worried about it being too dark and too sad. And you know what? It's not. It's just not too dark and too sad. I'm actually quite enjoying her. So, I mean, like, the way she acted this week was great for TV. Basically... Angie is starting a last resort treatment. Um, As they discussed last week, she's getting the chemo for the chemo that doesn't work for people, which is sad. And Mackenzie needs Josh's help. Can we discuss the fact that Josh doesn't have a job? I know I talked about that last week, and I was like, what does this mean by, like, he's in the rodeo full time, but he's, like, still working, right? Like, I was really sure that that's what that had to mean. But apparently, Josh has no job, which is truly crazy to me. And I am so curious how much money Mackenzie can possibly be making off of Body by Mac. And I guess she does Instagram ads, too, and clickbait. 
So I don't know. Maybe she does make like a decent living and they do live in a very low cost of living area. But I just can't. I can't understand how you can have a husband that doesn't work, but also like he's not like an active stay at home dad. Like I'm all for, you know, if you want to have a stay at home dad, like more power to you. Be a hashtag boss, babe. But it doesn't seem like Josh is that person at all. And Mackenzie still seems to be doing like 100% of the child rearing. So I'm wondering what the fuck Josh does all day long. <laughs> and the fact that he quit so he could ride rodeo full time. Like, get fucked. Get fucked. Okay, so Body by Mac is apparently their main source of income. And I personally would like to see the sales on that. I would imagine that, like, it probably makes a decent amount of money because it's pretty much pure profit. I think she even edits it herself. She might have an editor. That might be – she might have to pay for an editor. But beyond that, like, she doesn't really have expenses because it's filmed in her sister's gym, which we saw today, like, their little private family gym they have. Um, And they don't – you know, it's not like she has a film crew. <laughs> Pretty sure she just sets up some tripods and then puts up some ring lights. Like, it's not really a professional organization. And so I would imagine that her overhead cost is quite, quite low. Which, like, good for her. It's If she has people willing to buy it, it's pretty smart. Although I do have an issue with it in that, like, she's not a professional in any way. She does not have any type of certification as far as I know. So, and I know she also offers, like, food plans along with it, which, like, mm, don't do that. Don't do that unless you're a registered dietitian. And we know she's definitely not a registered dietitian. But I'm okay with her, you know, I think it's smart that she's been able to monetize this fitness journey of hers. Her voiceovers are so bad. I don't know if you guys notice that. I understand that they're probably hard and she's not really used to doing them anymore. But they really cannot get a natural sounding take from her. So Josh is supposed to be helping her. She has to get to the gym to film. Oh, not even to film. So Mackenzie has entered a fitness competition. Um, She's done a couple of them before. She ends up doing very poorly in this fitness competition and posts some sad shit about her body holding on to fat. And I understand that, like, her body didn't look the way it was supposed to look for fitness competition. She did have a high body fat percentage relative to fitness competitions but Mackenzie is somebody that has seemingly struggled with eating issues and body issues uh, the whole time that we've known her so it's very sad to like I don't know for her to have like all of her energy in this sport of fitness competition and then to post these things like I'm just not I'm just not doing well like I hold on too much fat even if it's a true statement, it's kind of a sad statement, I guess, is how I feel. Just because of her issues. And if she didn't have, like, the, you know, these years of, like, living out loud and her eating disorder online, I think it would be like, oh, yeah, I can see what she means. Like, that makes sense. But because she does, it's just sad and depressing, to me at least. So Josh is, like, helping his friend just not answering his phone. He's supposed to be homed to watch a kid so that she can go to the gym and he is not she says something really sad which is like I used to rely on my mom in these situations and I can't anymore which was definitely a frowny face so Josh finally picks up the phone and Mackenzie is like full on yelling at home 
yelling at him. He's like, I'm going to have my phone on me. And she was like, how dare you? How could you do this? You're always doing this to me. I have to go to the gym. And he's like, just take the kids to the gym. They'll just play outside anyway. And she's like, I don't want to do that. Which, like, I'm totally on Mackenzie's side here. As I said, like, Josh doesn't have a job. I would hope, uh, hopefully his friend was paying him for the hours of work that he did that day. But Mackenzie is their main breadwinner. Being a fitness competition winner would help her fitness brand, you know, that she's selling. So it is important for her to get to the gym. And it's fucking annoying to have to bring the kids because then you have to, you can't be fully 100% like paying attention to the gym because you have to be watching what the kids are doing. Even if they're playing outside, they're still quite young. I think Gannon is seven. And Bronx, the littlest one, just turned two or three. It was just his birthday. I think two. So, I mean, he's still a baby, basically. And then there's old Jaxie in the middle. So that's like a lot of young kids. You can't ever give your full attention. So she hangs up. She's so upset. She's sitting down. And this is like, this scene made me feel like the heaviest, like, sense of misery. (laughs) She's sitting outside. Bronx is crying and, like, crawls into her lap. Jaxie is crying, like, grabbing on her arm. Poor Mackenzie's, like, so upset. And you can tell it's just, like, drowning in, like, the feeling of having three kids and an ashit husband and all of the weight on her shoulders. Like, I just, it was, I could literally, like, feel the depression coming out of my screen. I could smell the depression in the scene. It was heavy. It was really, it was just a moment, but it was really sad. Just, like, the loudness, the kids, like, physically grabbing her. Ugh, I just, I really felt for her. So then she starts going off and to the kids is saying like, lovely time for your dad to to disappear, right? (laughs) And I was like, "Mm, yikes, yikes, yikes. She's like, I want to drive to where he is and scream at him. And I'm like, "Mm, yikes, why are you talking to the kids about that? So she texts a Josh to come get the kids from her sister's house and he does show up, but she's saying like, Josh doesn't seem to understand that her business is what supports their family. Mac is like, you can't, like, have a wife and kid, kids, and just, like, walk away from your phone for five hours. Josh pulls up to the gym, and Mackenzie's talking to him. He's sitting in his car, and she's talking to him. She's, like, standing outside of the car, and he just will not say a word. Like, he will not say a fucking word, and she's going off on him. She's like, you're acting like a fucking child. You are awful. I'm fucking done. And he just, like, drives away. And (laughs) she says, this is, like, how I know they have to get a divorce. Because I'm sorry, like, I just don't, I mean, no, I don't know shit. Like, I've never been married. But, like, I don't see how a relationship can come back from, like, the spite that she has for him in this scene. When she's like, now you know what it's like dealing with Josh McKee. The person whose wife supports him pays his entry fees and paid for that truck that just drove off. Like, just the level of emasculation that happens, like, in that line. How do you come back from that? I don't... She just fucking hates him so much. And he hates her and has so little regard for her well-being, her feelings, her mental health, the fact that her mom is 
literally dying. Like, I don't see how you would come back from that. And I also don't see why you would want to come back from that. Like, I saw a comment once on Reddit about the fact... So, okay, Mackenzie does, does, like, a YouTube channel, in case you guys didn't know. And her and Josh have been doing, like, family channel stuff for the last maybe, like, six months. And I've never clicked on it because, no. But apparently he seems, like, pretty engaged and happy in these videos. And I saw a comment that was like, wow, like, they seem like they're in a really good place. And you know what? It's pretty admirable that they, like, stuck together even though they had really hard times. And look. Once again, I've never been married. But to me, like, that's not admirable. Like, they've been at a place where Josh says, if you're going to kill yourself, just do it when me and the kids aren't here. Like, how would you want to be with that person? Like, the way Mackenzie spoke about him basically being like, you're a piece of shit who does nothing for me or our children, and I pay for everything, and you are a lazy piece of shit. That's essentially what she said and was saying to him. Like, how do you come back from that? How do you want to be in a relationship that's had a low like that? Now, I'm not saying that, like, you should just up and divorce no matter what, and, like, divorce is, like, always great. I just don't really understand, like, this admiration we have for people who stick through the hard times when to me it just seems like toxicity is their base level and they occasionally have times that are good because that's what it seems like with Josh McKenzie like I I'm sure there are times where they laugh and they have fun and they smile and like I bet they have a month or two that are good but their lows seem so fucking low that any good moments to me don't seem worth it and I don't understand why we like, would congratulate Mackenzie on, like, making it work with somebody who said, if you're going to kill yourself, just do it when the kids and I aren't here. Like, to me, that's deeply sad that she would make it work with somebody like that. To me, it's deeply sad that she would want to make it work with someone that she views as, like, less than dirt. Like, the way she spoke about him, and honestly, rightfully fucking so, but still, like, those were true feelings that were coming out in that moment. And that's just, like, toxicity. And that's just hate. And that's the thing, like, it's not just that they're unhappy or bad. Like, I'm trying to think of another bad relationship that's on here. Like, I don't know. I can't think of one off the top of my head, even though, like, there's a million bad relationships on this show. But I can't think of one that I want to compare it to. But... Honestly, it's kind of similar to Kale and Javi when Kale and Javi were divorcing and that they just like fucking hated each other and just had like a pure hatred for like the soul of the other. And that's how it feels with Mackenzie and Josh. Like it doesn't feel like it's just dysfunctional, but at the end of the day, like they're best friends and they love each other. Like Mackenzie's always going on about how they're like truly best friends and how much they truly love each other with their whole hearts. And it's like, that's how you treat your best friend. <laughs> like, if my best friend... <laughs> if my best friend said that to me, I would be, like, wouldn't be able to get out of bed, like, said to me, like, in whatever the equivalent of what she would say to me, because we're not in a marriage, of, like, what Mackenzie said to Josh, if my best friend said that to me, like, I would be in bed for a week, like, so devastated I couldn't move. Like, it would just be so fucking sad. And it's just... It's just so sad. Then she's, like, talking to Kurthy. It was Kurthy that was there, right? And Mackenzie's like, I 
my whole life is falling apart. She's like, my mom is sick. I have a business to run. And I just don't want to be with Josh. I want to get a divorce. I don't want to be with him. (sighs) Mackenzie says she feels like she's settling. And that she wants someone who works hard like she does. And she just doesn't know where to go from here. And I honestly, like, look, I don't think Mackenzie makes a lot of smart business decisions. I think Body by Mac was probably a pretty good business decision. But she's also very young. So I think it's okay that she hasn't made, like, a million smart business moves. But this is someone who's been in, you know, at least two multi-level marketing uh, schemes. Although I will say that, and I've said it before, like with Kale and Sensi, that celebrities or people that are social media famous are actually people that should be getting to multi-level marketing schemes because they could easily get a lot of people in their downline and make money that way, which is how you make money in the multi-level marketing schemes. And that, that might not be ethical, but they have a much better chance at making money than Sally from next door. But I don't think those multi-level marketing schemes have ever worked out for her. Because if they did, she would be doing that and not be doing Body by Mac. But anyway, I do believe Mackenzie is someone that is naturally a hard worker. I, you know, we see the amount of effort she puts into the gym. Uh, She is doing this business, whatever exactly this business. She's always saying, like, she's running her business. I'm just not quite sure, like, how much work actually goes into it. But she is doing that while also essentially being a full-time parent, like, full-time, you know, stay-at-home mom while also being a working woman. Like, that's very hard to do. And I think that Mackenzie is somebody that will never rest in her life and that she'll always keep pushing. I think she's somebody that will, like, (laughs) this is awful. She'll probably make, like, bad decision after bad financial decision after bad financial decision and, like, Her house will get foreclosed on, but, like, then she'll have them in a new place by hustling very quickly. Does that make sense? So, like, I think that she makes multiple bad decisions, but I think that she's always kind of keep her head above water despite the bad decisions because she's a hard worker. And I would imagine that it's incredibly frustrating for her to be with someone like Josh, who I guess has no uh, work motivation, like, no work ethic, and wants to ride in the rodeo. No, I'm more of a Josh. I have very little work ethic. <laughs> I'm not an ambitious person. <laughs> I mean, if I'm just being honest, I'm not really. And I would imagine that a Mackenzie type would be very frustrated with me. So I understand where Mackenzie is coming from in that, like, she doesn't, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that it's like a knock on Josh because I'm more of a Josh than a Mackenzie. But for Mackenzie to say out loud, like, I'm settling by being with Josh, like, once again, how do you walk back from that? Where do you go from there? There's nowhere to go from there. You either feel like you're settling or you feel like you're working towards something when you're in a relationship. And I don't think settling always has to be a bad thing because I think sometimes it's good to settle and it's realistic to settle. But I don't think it's a good thing in Mackenzie's position. And I think it's clear that she's already doing 95% of her life on her own. So why not just get rid of the dead weight that is Josh and just be that single parent? And I think I read a really good article recently and I sent it to a friend of mine that's having some issues. And the article was like, being a single parent is easier than it was to be married. And she talked about how, you know, obviously it's hard to share custody, um, but 
that when she was married, all she did was resent her husband for everything that he didn't do. And that she just walked around in, like, this state of resentment constantly. And now that he's not there, she can kind of just do her own thing. And she's still doing essentially the same stuff (laughs) because she was doing 95% of the work anyway, except now that she's able to do this stuff without walking around with this resentment that her husband isn't there to help her. Now, and she talked about how, like, she talked about a lot of other stuff about, like, just little things like the expectations of her kids and the cleanliness of her home. And, but I just, I thought it was really powerful because she was saying, like, I letting go of that resentment in my life by no longer being married has made parenting a lot easier. And that really resonated with me because I think that can be said for a lot of things in our life, not just marriages. And I really think that Mackenzie will get to that point where she realizes like she's already doing this mostly all on her own and that she can drop the toxicity and the resentment that is her marriage with Josh and thrive in her life. Let's be real, like, Mackenzie will find another husband. Like, she's blonde, she's thin, she is pretty-ish. She'll be fine. (laughs) She will be fine. She has a little bit of fame. Like, she'll find somebody. She doesn't need to stay with Josh. And as I said last week, like, Mackenzie's so young. It's so sad to think that she's 26 years old, however old she is, three kids, and she's like, I'm settling. So don't, girlfriend. I'm happy for her that she's taking a break, but I don't think that she's actually going to get divorced if she's not, like, being honest and forthright about, like, what's actually going on and blaming everybody but Josh. <laughs> Basically, the episode ends. Josh comes back and apologizes and, like, says that he was wrong. And they, like, kind of laugh and they're like, okay, <laughs> things are good now. It's like, mm, yikes. Anyway, Mackenzie, good luck. Let's go on to, I guess we'll talk about Macy. I cannot tell you how low my care level is for Macy and Taylor discussing if they want more kids, if he should get a vasectomy, or if she should get a tubal litigation. My care level is so fucking low. It's so low. This whole episode is, once again, talking about the vasectomy versus the tubal. Basically, the reality is is that Macy doesn't want to be on birth control. Um, They don't, I guess, want to use condoms. And Taylor does not want to get a vasectomy. And Macy doesn't want to get a tubal litigation. Uh, Of course, the tubal litigation is a more invasive surgery than a vasectomy. But if... Taylor really doesn't want to get a vasectomy and Macy's really 100% sure that she never wants to have another kid, then she should just get the tubal and this whole thing is over with. I also don't understand why they're acting like the implant is the only birth control she can be on. She even says at one point and then it cuts the next scene and they never explain it. So I don't know if I'm missing something. Maybe I, I did miss an episode this season, I think. So maybe it's they talked about it there. But she's like... If I didn't have PCOS, I would have so many other birth control options. I could be on the pill. And I'm like, what? Why can't you be on the pill if you have PCOS? Like, tons of people with PCOS are on the pill. Why can't you get an IUD? If you don't like the arm implant, like, there are other birth controls. I think it's, like, I'm, I have no hate if Mackenzie doesn't want to be on birth control anymore. But I think it's pretty obvious that Taylor wants to have more kids. Um, 
And if Macy really, really doesn't, then she should just get the tubal. That's, that's that. <laughs> like, that's that on that. <laughs> there, There's just nothing really else to discuss. Even at the end, Macy's, like, saying to Taylor, because Taylor said, like, you know, the kids are so little and it's, like, so hard right now. But maybe when they're, like, six and seven, we'll want to have more kids. And Macy is, like... Uh, when are we going to talk about that we're not on the same page about if we want more kids or not? Like, when are we going to face that? And like, you're, what do you mean? When are you, you're talking about it right now. Oh, they also kept saying bio kids, bio kids, bio kids, because I guess they're really still on this tip that they're going to like foster and adopt, which I guess, I don't know. You guys know I like, I just don't think that that's true. I don't think that they're going to do that ever. I think it's like one of those things that they talk about. But it's, like, not something that they're really going to do. Uh, we also get a Mackenzie and Ryan scene. They are on vacation. They have a little Jagger with them. And Ryan says that he's, like, first of all, Ryan is fucked up. Ryan has either done permanent damage to his brain and he's so shot the fuck out that he can barely put together a coherent sentence or he's high on some opiates in that scene. And that, to me, was not a drunk fuck. That wasn't a slur. That was, like, a fucking full-on, like, close to a not out, like, slow speech. Which is different than, like, a drunk slur. He was fucked up in that scene. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's, like, on a heavy benzo. Uh, to me, that was, like, it sounded very much like opiates slowing him down. Which is sad. Um... But they're like, Ryan's like, I'm so glad we can, we have such a good relationship that we can take a vacation together. Like, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Ryan has lost a lot of weight. Did you guys notice? Um, Not that that means he's like on drugs because he didn't seem to lose any weight last time he was on opiates. But I was, it's just a comment on his appearance. Um, Ryan asks Mackenzie if she wants more kids and she goes, she's like, I don't know. Accidents do happen. And I completely forgot that she was pregnant right now. I was like watching this scene like, ha 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 ha. Oh yeah. That bitch is pregnant with a girl. (laughs) Mimi Jen is probably so fucking over the moon that she's about to get a little granddaughter. You know what? I'm happy for her too. Like I... You know, what's, they already have Jagger, they already brought one baby into this fucked up marriage, like, what's the difference between bringing two babies into this fucked up marriage? Well, I guess it's, like, two little innocent children. I don't know. I'm worried for Ryan. I don't think he's in a good place at all. And I just will never, ever be able to understand Mackenzie's motives for anything. But that's really it. There was nothing to talk about with Macy. It's funny, Macy complains in her segments are only about Ryan, but it's, like, we see this episode that she doesn't mention Ryan at all. And it's like, this is why her segments are only about Ryan. Because this is unbearable to watch. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about Cheyenne and the fact that she wanted to test how her boyfriend Matt would be in a, like, situation with Ryder for more than, like, a couple hours. So they went on a trip together to wine country? I cannot think of a least friendly, like, child-friendly trip than going to wineries. It was such a bizarro choice. Like, they live in Southern California. Like, why wouldn't they go to Anaheim and go to Disneyland? Or not even that, like, 
go to San Diego for the weekend and go to the beach and like, you know, go stay in a cute little place in Ocean Beach and like go to the restaurants down there. There's so many other options in California that are not wine country. And did they go to Slavin? Is that how you say it? Where they went on Vanderpump Rules? Second Vanderpump Rules mentioned this episode. Um, But like, I just, I can't understand why that was her choice. It did not seem child friendly at all. They didn't seem to be saying in a child-friendly Airbnb. I was just very, or hotel, whatever it was. I was just very confused. Like, when she was at the winery, she's like, Mama wants to relax and drink some wine. I'm like, you have an 18-month-old with you. Why do you think that's going to happen? It starts up with Cheyenne saying, Matt still doesn't know when he's moving to L.A. And it's like, yeah, because that was a month ago that you asked him to move. Uh, Ryder opens the door herself when uh, Cheyenne and Matt go to pick her up, which was extremely cute. And we get a scene of Ryder running around the hotel room, screaming on the top of her lungs. <laughs> Ryder is so fucking cute. Um, did you guys notice or hear Cheyenne say that they really wanted to tire her out? Like, in a voiceover so they were taking her to an ostrich farm to wear her out (laughs) it's just such a funny line it just shows like how unkid friendly their vacation was basically the whole point of this episode is like can matt handle Ryder? can matt handle being a dad can matt handle this blah 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 and it's like yeah he could he was fine i think they're still together as far as i know um I don't think that Cheyenne set up a trip that was conducive to having Ryder there, basically. I did think that Cheyenne looked fucking stunning in the last, like, day of their trip when she was, she had her hair pulled back and that white top on. Um, She looked so good. I noticed that Cheyenne wears a very natural, minimal makeup look, which I like. Like, I think Cheyenne is so beautiful. She's an incredible body. Her skin is amazing. Like, I just think Cheyenne looks so good and in the scene like she looked quite fresh faced her hair was pulled back and white looked so good on her skin she just looked great um but that's like I don't know for you know the millionth time I didn't mind watching these segments I think Ryder's really cute I thought it was funny when she ripped the phone out of the fucking wall and Cheyenne didn't do anything to corral her <laughs> it was like just take care of it Matt there's just not that much to talk about. I, I do think that it's interesting to watch Cheyenne parent when, um, like, her family isn't around. I don't think Cheyenne does a lot of, like, full-time one-on-one parenting because I think either her sister's there or her mom's there or her stepdad's there. And it's I, – I wonder if she's ever, like, been out of town with Cheyenne – or with Ryder before where, uh, like, her family wasn't there to help her. And I wonder if that was, like, a little much for her – I did like that she said to Matt, like, it's okay if you're really overwhelmed by this because, like, I get overwhelmed (laughs) and she's my child and I'm with her every day. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. There's just not that much to say. As I said last week, I still haven't read those articles about Matt and his criminal history. I guess I will at some point. I just don't care that much. I just don't care that much about Matt. I don't care that much about Cheyenne and Corey and all of their side characters. Although I guess next week we're going to see Cheyenne talk about Taylor's racist tweets. 
which I'm looking forward to. I think that could be a good episode, although I'm not sure if I really want to go there because then we have to deal with everybody on social media talking about those sh- <laughs> those tweets Cheyenne did, um, which I'm pretty sure I talked about on this podcast before, right? I just don't like to dwell on it because, I don't know. Basically, Cheyenne was watching The Help at one point when she was, like, 17 and tweeted that she hated white people and something about killing white babies, which, like, look, that's not great. <laughs> like, you never want to tweet about killing babies. Like, nobody, like, nobody's excusing that. Nobody's saying it's good. But I'm not looking forward to a constant online conversation about how Taylor's Cheyenne's tweets are just as bad as Taylor's when that's not factual. And the fact is that I believe I saw them and Taylor's were, like, straight up, like, I don't know. I was going to say N-word, but I actually can't remember what they said. But they were very racist against black people. And what I'm not looking forward to is a whole week of discussion about how Cheyenne's tweets are just as bad as Taylor's tweets, which isn't true because a black person being discriminatory towards white people is always different than a white person being racist towards black people. If that offends you, I don't know how we are on episode, what is this, episode 9000 of this podcast, and you would be surprised by that opinion of mine, but I'm constantly surprised by the things people get offended by. What I say, like that person that left me a bad podcast review because I said that I didn't care about George Bush dying, like... Sometimes I wonder, like, how people listen to this podcast for so long and then, like, get outraged over, like, some crazy left take that I have. And it's, like, I used to sign off the first couple episodes with, like, fuck Donald Trump. Because I started this podcast, guys, I started this podcast pre-Donald Trump being the president of the United States of America. (laughs) He was elected. But he was still president-elect. And I, because this podcast started early January, I think like January 3rd or something, 2017. And I even like recorded an episode right before I went to the Women's March in D.C. And I remember like for like five episodes around them when it was, I think it was still only on, the show was still only on Patreon at that point. I was like, fuck Donald Trump is my sign off. Like, have a good week. Fuck Donald Trump. So... I'm constantly shocked when people are surprised by the things that I say, but it happens. So if you are offended that I don't think that Cheyenne tweeting anti-white sentiments is the same thing or as bad as Taylor tweeting anti-black sentiments, then I don't know what to tell you because I'm not going to apologize for that opinion. And if you disagree with me, um, okay, I that's it. Like, the this is my feelings on it. So yeah, I guess I like am half looking forward to that because at least it's like some drama and I would like to see some drama between Taylor and Cheyenne. I think that would make for a little more interesting of a show, but I'm not going to be interested in the social media response to this because I find the talks about Cheyenne's tweets to be very, very, very draining. (laughs) They emotionally exhaust me. Ay, 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 ay. Okay, let's talk about Caitlyn and Tyler. Shall we talk about Caitlyn and Tyler? Um, They didn't really have much going on in this episode. I see we're getting, like, quite a long Carly arc. 
I do want to say that Caitlin, I think, has had a pretty excellent season. I am pretty proud of her. I've noticed that in most episodes, she is dressed, her hair is done, she has makeup on. Um, I don't think the makeup always looks incredible. I don't think the outfits are always amazing, but I think it's very obvious that she has the energy to be putting more effort into her appearance, which I think speaks well to her mental health. And I think that's, that's great. Um, I'm like not a person that wears a lot of makeup. I wear makeup, you know, off and on. Um, I go through phases where I wear it like every day for months and then I don't wear it for months or I only wear it when I'm going out or special occasions or whatever. Um, I wear my hair up in a ponytail most days, but like, I'm not a person that like cares a ton about my presentation. So this is not me bashing Kate. <laughs> but I do think the fact that like, I just think she last season or season before, she like never, ever, ever was out of sweatpants. She always had her hair back. She never had makeup on. And I think this season, like she's made an effort. And I think that says a lot that she's making that effort because clearly she's, you know, she has the emotional wherewithal to do that. So, like, good for you, Kate. I'm noticing it. Liz is noticing it. <laughs> so, Kate and Tyler are in their kitchen with Caitlin's dad, and they're saying, talking about the fact that Kate texted uh, Brandon and Teresa to see if they can have a visit this year. And Kate's dad kind of is like a flip-flop during this convo. He's kind of playing a both-sides position, like, not like in a two-faced way. I think he's just trying to see from all angles. But he's saying, you know, you think they'd be used to the show thing by now. But like, I don't know. I kind of think like that's not something that you really ever get used to. Like if you're not making an active choice to be a television person. So basically the conversation revolves around like what Caitlin and Tyler share on the show versus what Brandon and Teresa want shared on the show. And Tyler says, like, he thinks that they deserve to have, an like, their authentic emotions showed on TV. Like, this is their life, and they should be able to talk about it. And I don't totally disagree with that. You know, like, I don't think Tyler's totally wrong, but I think what's missing is this recognition that they can have their honest emotions, thoughts, and feelings and not put them on TV. And that Brandon and Teresa aren't saying, like, you're never allowed to feel anything about Carly. You're never allowed to talk about Carly. You're not allowed to do this about Carly. Etc. Etc. But, like, they just don't want it on TV. And I think that that's probably hard for Caitlin and Tyler to understand because they're people who live out loud on television. They're reality TV stars. They put everything out there. And I think that they have trouble, like, understanding Brandon and Teresa's point of view there. Although Caitlin says she does understand their point of view. And um, I this note that I wrote makes no sense. And Tyler says it's healthier for him to be in their shows Liz, what the fuck? Oh, okay, I know what I was saying. Tyler said that... He, so I... And I do think they're maturing a little bit. Because Tyler said, like, 
what I have to do is put myself in their shoes and try and remember, like, if this was my child, what would I want to be discussed? And Caitlin's dad basically agrees with him. He said, you know, they just want to be able to control, like, what they have about their daughter that's on TV. And if you guys put up Nova uh, for adoption, like, wouldn't – or if you guys – were raising an adopted child, like if you adopted Nova, you would want to be able to control, uh, like what's on TV about her. And I thought that was a good, you know, a good point. And Tyler said that he's not sure of their motivation. He's not sure if it's really to protect Carly or because they want control, which I was like, maybe you could have not said that on TV. <laughs> you know, like the conversation was like pretty good. And I thought Tyler like was making good points and, it's like, but he always has to then, like, walk it that one step too far. And it's, like, just reel it in the tiniest bit. And I think that's probably what frustrates Brandon. And Teresa is that they probably agree with me. Um, I do want to make a point that, though, that I am not a person that thinks that uh, Brandon and Teresa should close the adoption or cut off contact. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just hiccuped. Excuse me. But I know I see that sentiment a lot. Like, Brandon and Teresa should just close the adoption. They should just cut off contact. Carly won't want anything to do with them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I do not agree with that. Um, basically, every single study shows that open, open adoption is the healthiest thing for the adopted child. Um, that the adoption has been open Carly's whole life. And even if it's not, like, you know, every year visits, she still has some sort of relationship with them. And I think that people that advocate for Brandon and Teresa totally closing it are a little bit psychotic. (laughs) I think that that's a very bizarre stance to take and that it's only because they want to see a punishment for Caitlin and Tyler and not because they care about Carly's well-being. I think that what they have going on right now with Brandon and Teresa deciding when a visit is good for Carly and when is not is an appropriate use of their relationship. I also do think, like, Tyler's not totally wrong that it's possible that their motives are just a control thing. But they that's still their right because they're Carly's parents and that, like, you don't need to say that on television. You can say that to your fucking therapist that you're supposed to be going to or you can say that to your wife when the TV cameras aren't around. <sighs> I also, once again, a lot of this rings hollow knowing that they're not sending Carly birthday cards. They're not sending Carly gifts anymore. They're, you know what I mean? That they're not upholding the non-televised Uh, part of this relationship and the non-social media aspect of this relationship. So when they're talking about this, it's kind of like, okay. (laughs) So you want to do the things that are on TV, but not the things that aren't on TV. So good news, Brandon and Teresa said they could have a visit. They're going to come to them and they take, they're like, we're going to take Nova to lunch to explain to her. And I'm like, take Nova to lunch to explain something to her. Like she's four. Just a weird sentence about a four-year-old. Um, they aren't really sure what Nova understands yet. And uh, Nova was cute and she was like, Carly's going to come over and play with my toys. <laughs> and they explained, no, we're going to meet with her at the park. And um, Nova says that she doesn't remember Carly. And like, you know, why would she? She hasn't seen her in like two years. So Caitlin also asked, and this is where I'm like, This is a bold ask. If Kim and April could come to the visit and Brandon and Teresa said yes, 
which I thought was very generous to Brandon and Teresa. Um, I Which, you know, at the wedding, she was okay. Brandon and Teresa were okay with it. It was Butch that they did not want Carly around. And remember, Butch went right up to her and said, I'm your grandfather. And it was like a whole thing. And Brandon and Teresa weren't happy about it. Um, but I'm kind of like, eh. I don't know. It's like, how can you bring a kid to a wedding and be like, but they can't talk to that person that's here? It's like, you they're either at the wedding or not. And if they're at the wedding, they can talk to everybody. <laughs> at least to me, that's like the logical thing. But whatever. That was years ago. So I think they've always been like mostly okay with Kim and April. It's Butch that they have a real understandable problem with. But uh, Brandon and Teresa said that Kim and April could come and they told Kim and Kim, of course, was over the moon, and she was like, oh, that's so great. I thought I was just going to be, like, watching the kids, but it's so nice that I'll be able to, like, be part of it. And um, Brandon and Teresa, like, want to go to a zoo, and they don't really want to go to a zoo because Veda's so little, and I'm assuming it's going to be summer and hot, and they want to meet at this place called Stony Creek, which I guess is, like, a probably, like, a, a park campground type of place. Um, Kim asks Caitlin if she's nervous and Caitlin says like she kind of is because the first time Nova and Carly together gave her really, really bad anxiety. Uh, she said it was like really hard to watch the two of them together, which I can imagine is true. And that made me sad for Kate. But I am assuming next week, by the way, next week is the season finale already. Short season, but I guess I just like haven't been covering the episode, so it feels that way. Um... I'm assuming next week will be the Carly visit. And I'm looking forward to how that's done. And I'm kind of curious what happened last time and what they said afterwards that upset Brandon and Teresa that they were referencing in this episode with, like, we should be able to share our authentic thoughts and feelings about the visit and them not be mad about it. So maybe I need to, like, go back and read a recap about that or something. Anyway, let's round this, round the corner on this with Amber. Um... This episode was hard to watch, right? Like, uh, it made me sad. As I've discussed before, especially soon after Amber got arrested, like, there's definitely a lot of empathy that I extend to Amber that I know I would not extend to a male abuser, and that's just the reality, and it's just the world that we live in, and I'm not saying it's right, but it's the truth. And I think that we have to acknowledge that truth for me to do this recap. Um, So Amber is saying that sometimes she has bad mood swings and she wants Andrew to better understand what she's going through on a daily basis. And I don't know, I feel like Andrew does seem to have like a decent understanding of what Amber's going through. I think that Amber, as I've discussed before, has her terminal uniqueness problem and she thinks that no one could possibly understand what she's going through. And so she thinks Andrew doesn't understand. Amber hasn't been sleeping, which is really scary and concerning to me. Um, She said, like, one night she was up until 8 in the morning. Uh, It speaks to mania. But then she's also saying, like, she's really depressed and can't get out of bed. I think it's very obvious that Amber's mental illness is, like, completely, completely unmanaged at this point. That she may be on meds, but they don't seem to be working very well, and she doesn't seem to be getting any sort of um, effective therapy, you know? Like, this therapy session that she had on camera in this episode, first of all, was with a psychiatrist, not a therapist, but I don't know, maybe he's in, like, 
in an what an analysis what would the word it's analysis type therapy but I don't know but maybe somebody that does analysis I guess I'll say I think some psychiatrists do do that but I don't think that what we saw did not seem to be effective therapy and it did not seem to be someone that she had um regular visits with if you will which makes sense because he's a psychiatrist. She's probably only seen him once a month at most, maybe once every other month. If she's not on controlled substances and she's getting, you know, two or three month refills, it's possible she's only seen him every three months. Which is concerning if that's her only treatment that she's getting and it's clear the meds are not working. So Amber thinks she'd be a lot happier living in California because the weather is better and she could be outside and whenever she's there, she just feels better. Oh, by the way, Andrew this week filed in court uh, asking for permission to move with James back to Malibu by November. I think that that makes sense. I'm curious to see if the court will allow it, but I think the reality is that we know that Amber is not going to be any sort of full-time parent to James. Um, I think the relationship with James is going to look much like the relationship with Leah. She will see him sometimes, not regularly, and not very often. I do think it's sad that um, James and Leah won't be living close to one another to be close to each other, but I also don't think... I think if Amber and Andrew aren't together... And Amber's only having, like, supervised or infrequent visits with James, then I don't really see Leah and James at this point in time developing a meaningful relationship anyway, because, you know, like, the only time they'd be spending together would be most likely if Gary and Andrew were facilitating visits. And first of all, James is still very little, but, like, how, you know, it would be, like, an hour here, an hour there, I don't, I just don't think that, unfortunately, like, Amber, or excuse me, Leah and James are going to have a close relationship, and that's the fault of Amber, and it's because she doesn't have a close relationship with Leah, and most likely isn't going to have a close relationship with James unless something substantially different happens. And I think that he should go back to California. His entire family is there. He's single parenting now. He, you know, his mom, his sister, he has some job opportunities there, I think. Like, it makes sense that he would move back there. They've spent long stretches of time there. Uh, I mean, I'm all for Andrew moving back to California. Just because Amber lives in Indiana doesn't mean that, you know, Andrew should be tied to Indiana for the next 18 years. And it doesn't mean that James needs to live in Indiana for the next 18 years. Um, I think that if that happens, then Andrew should probably be responsible for for facilitating visits, but I, I'll i be interested to see how court rules, but I would not be surprised if they let him move back. So Amber is, there's a scene where Amber's like um, screaming at her dogs that was really unsettling to me because she seemed very angry, not just like, oh, these dogs are annoying, but like full on anger, which, you know, mm. Uh, so Amber says there, she's going to be with her psychiatrist, her and Andrew are in the car. And she says the number one thing she wishes she could change about her life is that she could just be happy, which is sad. She's crippling anxiety. She is talking about how she realizes how blessed she is like in every way, but she still can't be happy. She 
both constantly be surrounded by people and feel so lonely. And then she has, like, the weirdest fucking, like, statement ever. She's like, you know, the first time we hung out, I think, I said to you, like, I just want people to look at me as being dainty. (laughs) What the fuck does she mean by that? Like, I understand what dainty means as a word. I think that even if Amber, like, never raised her voice and was, like, so calm all the time. Like, unfortunately for Amber, like, and I have a similar body type to Amber, like, you're not, you're never going to be called dainty by this world that we live in. Like, (laughs) First of all, I don't think dainty is a word that, like, is used to describe, like, 99% of people, especially not in the year, like, 2019. Like, it's just a very weird word, and it's, like, sad that Amber wants to be seen that way, and it was weird for her to bring up, like, in that moment. I Like, I didn't understand what point she was trying to make, and Andrew was like, then you just gotta be dainty. And Amber's like, that's easy for... Amber snaps. She's like, that's easy for you to say. You're not listening. It's a fucking thing I'm saying now. Your jokes aren't appreciated. And Andrew's like, I mean, I'm just like talking about how you're portraying yourself. And she's like, I need to talk. I just want to talk. And you don't want to talk. You're the worst person to talk to about this type of stuff. And you can tell, like, their relationship is just in a really bad place. Then, um... Uh, (laughs) Amber sees a plane that's flying quite low. I guess they're probably by, like, a private airport where little small planes fly in and out. And Amber's like, holy shit, like, there's a plane. And Andrew's like, yeah, there's, there's a, there's an airport right there. And she's like, it's flying too low. And he's like, no, no, I think it's fine. And she, like, keeps repeating that it's flying too low and it's going to crash. And she's, like, so angry at Andrew for saying it's not. And then Andrew's like, you should take flying lessons. It would clear your mind. And Amber's like, stop. (laughs) It was just a really, really weird dynamic. And Amber says talking to Andrew is like talking to a freaking clown. (laughs) Yikes, yikes, yikes. So Amber's in her appointment. She's by herself. Andrew isn't in there. She says she's been really stressed for the last month. And she doesn't sleep and she has no appetite. Um, the doctor says those are warning signs, and Amber says that she's been really down. She says she's really combative. She says every little thing is annoying to her and enrages her. This is, like, not great, (laughs) not great material to be on TV, um, shortly after you are arrested for trying to attack your baby daddy who's holding your child with a machete, where you say, like, every single thing little thing makes me, like, fly into, like, an enragement. Uh, She says she gets so mad at Andrew when he tries to make things light, even though she understands that, like, that's just his way of coping with it. And she starts crying because she's scared that she's going to sabotage a relationship, which is, I mean, it's just, it's hard to watch knowing that that's exactly what she did. And, like, in the same day that I find out that, like, her, you know, the child's father has filed to move the child, like, across the country from her. She's sitting on TV saying, like, I'm really scared I'm going to sabotage this relationship. And it's, like, it's it's jarring and sad to watch. Um, she ends the episode, her segment ends with her saying she feels like a ticking time bomb, which is so ominous. I'm wondering, um 
how they're going to wrap up her segment, if they're going to include it. I can't get a good grasp of, like, where we are in a timeline and, like, what season it is. We know the arrest was, like, on July 4th, but, like, where they are in filming in regards to that. Um, We know she didn't go to the reunion, but I believe Gary went to the reunion. So I'm a little curious as to, like, what's going to be included this season, what they're not going to include this season. And I guess we will see next week. So that's that's really it. I hope everyone has a lovely week. Um, keep your eyes out for tie-dye. And I will talk to you all next week for the season finale. I wonder when Team Mom 2 is coming back. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Interesting. Bye-bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive Producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos.